boys screws loose, they done stripped the bolts on them. Should've never sent them to pick up the work for me. Sprayed the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all goners. Tank curse Hello on and chest. welcome was to another edition of Chuddy's Corner. It's March 26th, 2021. The trade deadline has just passed. We're recording on Friday, about 6 o'clock, before the Celtics tip off against the Bucks. The trade deadline has just passed. I am Ben Handler, a.k.a. at King Chuddy on Twitter. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick Perino, a.k.a. at underscore Nick Perino on Twitter. Nick, how's it going? What's up, Handler? I'm sorry, King Chud. King Chad, thank you. Oh, not much. Doing well. Pumped to uh, really dig into this. This what's going on with the Celtics? It's been too long since our last recording. It really has, but <laughs> it was a wild day yesterday. So, indeed, I think, I'm, I think I've calmed down a bit. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm excited to hear uh, hear what some of those emotions were that led to having to calm down. So, <laughs> anyway, a little housekeeping. You can find the pod anywhere. Spotify, Apple, just search Chuddy's Corner. You can watch the pod on Vimeo by searching Chuddy's Corner or go to nickperano.com, which is also your home for any real estate needs. That is where you can find the Chuddy's Corner blog, as well as watching the stream of all of our podcasts where we just rip through our Celtics thoughts. So without further ado... Our last podcast was at the All-Star break. The Celtics were 19-17 and 17 on a four-game winning streak. It seemed like they might be picking up a little steam. They were getting Marcus Smart back. Things were looking good. <sighs> Since then, not so much. It's gone the other way. The Celtics have gone 2-6. and six, And uh, those wins were against the Rockets and the Magic, who aren't exactly great. Uh it, it frankly has looked worse than two and six with some really bad losses, including the Cavs and the Kings who just rolled us. We're now 21 and 23 overall, all the way down to eighth in the Eastern conference. And honestly, it's looked worse than that even. So it, it was looking bleak. Really. We've, we've been pretty optimistic and level-headed the whole year, but I feel like this last stretch, the last couple of weeks since the break, now that Marcus is back, it's it's hard to make a ton of excuses. It's been bad. And then you mix in the, the impending trade deadline, and there's all kinds of rumors flying everywhere. A report comes out that there's chemistry issues in the locker room, that everyone hates Tristan Thompson, which the team and Brad have shot down. But it's it was turning borderline soap opera, a lot going on. And that was just the encore before we even got to the actual trade. So before we, we really dig into the trade deadline, Nick, what do you have to, to say about the state of kind of Celtics basketball as it stood before the trade deadline? And that was ending with, of course, that loss to the Bucks the other night where the Celtics looked awful in the first half, made a nice comeback and played really well in the second half, but of course fell just short, which is kind of, been the season in a nutshell and you we've talked all year just about the consistency that was perfect case look horrible in the second in the first look really good in the second and then just in crunch time for one reason or another can't get it done it's hard to keep keep going moral victories it was another loss albeit against a good team with some some promise shown but 
what what can you say, Nick, just about the basketball and, and what was going on with the Celtics? Well, like we preach pretty much every episode is consistency. And that's still just been our Achilles heel. Um, and I know the last couple of years we've had inconsistency issues. I mean, we're, you know, a young team still, so it's going to happen. But we've gone through ebbs and flows throughout the year where, you know, we'll look great for a stretch. And then, you know, we'll look awful for a few games. But we've always – the good's always outweighed the bad for the most part, especially during Brad's tenure. But this season has clearly been more bad than good. I mean, if you just look at the record, obviously, we're under 500. So um, it's, it's, it's hard to watch. And I've been – you know, I'm a huge Celtics fan. Always have been. But – this is probably as uh, disappointed as I've been in a Celtics team in years. And I can't really say, I can't even really think of a time where I was actually genuinely disappointed in the Celtics. I mean, obviously there've been times, you know, where we lost playoff series that we should have won. 2018, I think. Yeah. Maybe 2018. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. But still, I mean, but not like this. No, and that was that was unusual circumstances, I guess. Sure. Um, but yeah, that that was obviously disappointing, but it wasn't like necessarily a surprise. This mm-hmm. just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, we we don't have a great roster, but we have a good roster that's pretty top heavy in the East, which you know isn't necessarily a powerhouse. You know, we're under five hundred, and I know you know you always tell me where still just a game and a half or whatever out of the four seed, which is sure it's accurate, but we should, there should be some distance between us and we should be in fourth and there should should be some distance between us and who's the fifth place team. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, right now it's, uh, what is it? The Sixers, the Nets and the Bucks, one, two, three. And then everyone else is kind of within a game or two of each other. Yeah, it's actually the the Hornets are in fourth place as of right now, and the Knicks are in fifth. So that would be your four or five matchup, and then the Hawks are sixth, the Heat are seventh, and like you said, there's a game and a half separating fourth from eighth. And then the the Pacers are a half game behind us, and the Bulls are another game behind them, and the Bulls obviously just added Nikola Vucevic, an an all-star, so they could be creeping as well. So basically there's six teams jumbled in there for really only two two or three spots if you're not you know you you want to avoid the playoffs so you want the four or five or six seed and really i think the the real key is you want to if you can't avoid one of those top three philly milwaukee brooklyn so i think the goal for all those teams is get into the four or five and you're going to have at least a winnable first round matchup yeah absolutely and i mean that's that's where we should be i mean we're obviously not good enough to be one of those top three teams even if we were playing at our, you know, ceiling, I don't even know if we'd be, you know, a top three team this year, but, you know, we should be at least, you know, a f- five games above 500. I mean, that's, you know, mm-hmm. it's probably who we are. And this year, I mean, we're, 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 we're always, we should always be a 500 plus team with Brad and the roster that, you know, Danny gives us. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not these small market teams that, you know, people, they're happy trotting out a lineup out there and having mm-hmm. a couple of highlight dunks. Like we should win games. And 
it's just been hard to watch. It's been really a lack of effort a lot of times and a lack of focus maybe. Um, and I think, uh, I actually think Danny was talking about it today. Um, he was saying more or less that the focus has been an issue as far as, you know, you have, you can have five, four guys on the floor doing the right thing on defense. And then one guy loses focus and lets up an easy dunk or, you know, wide open three and, you know, it, what could have been a good defensive possession turns into, you know, an easy shot. So I think that basically what that sounds like to me is that everybody's not, you know, hundred percent focused all the time, which, you know, in a Brad defense, it's about doing what you're supposed to do, being where you're supposed to be, and, you know, not breaking assignment. And that's just been one of our biggest issues. And there's no, I can't think of any reason why that's the case other than, I don't know. I mean, being young and, lack of focus for, I don't know. I mean, it's just, that's what I don't understand. I just don't understand yeah. why, we, why we look like this. Right. Um, and like we said, there is a little bit of, you know, difficulty with the roster. We're not as talented as we used to be. And to be honest, I never thought, well, it's not that I didn't think we'd miss Hayward, but I think we miss him a lot more than I thought. Um, and not him exactly, but someone like him like someone in that role that you know hybrid wing can set up an offense shoot a little bit you know mm -hmm. set a pretty good passer you know just kind of a solid all-around wing um yeah we have you know we have a <clears throat> depth issue at wing and i think someone like that which i'm sure we'll get to evan fournier i think probably does um does help in that situation but um, that's pretty much where I'm at with the Celtics this year. Very disappointed. <laughs> that's extremely fair. And I think, like you said, the, the missing Hayward, Hayward part, they, they kind of spoke to that mistake yesterday at the trade deadline, which we'll get into. But, yeah, it was pretty clear the roster has been imbalanced. And I think that's a large part of the explanation is that losing Hayward by itself maybe wasn't that bad, but really just not even replacing him or his minutes with anything is, you know, cause that's, that's been the issue when Tatum or Brown sits, the next wing coming in is, is not really a, a good <laughs> all around NBA player. Uh, the bench has been a disaster. So yeah, roster wise has been an issue, but like you said, the bigger thing to me and the part that's so disappointing is that it seems like it's just effort. And especially on the defensive end, um, even you know, on our worst days, the offense can go through some lulls, but I'm, I'm just never super concerned about the offense. We have so many, so much talent, so many good scores. And when we need to, we can run good crisp sets. It seems like when we want a, a good shot, we can get one. So I've really never been that worried about the offense. Uh, maybe, you know, in crunch time or whatever, but it's, it's really just been the defense, like you said, and it's things that are, Part of it, I think, is, yeah, the personnel are guys who a combination of aren't great players to begin with and be just Brad's system is does not fit them or it's too much for them. And it's hard. It's been but the, but the other part is effort. And that's the thing that's so troubling, because a lot of times it's we have good defenders on the floor and it's mental lapses. Like you said, the amount of our, our, our inability at this point to rotate on defense and it seems like when we're actually trying, we make a good rotation. Okay. We make another good rotation. 
a third skip pass and a wide open shot. So you saw it in the jazz game and the jazz are amazing at that. So it's okay. But then you see the Cavs and the Kings, they just, it's like you swing the ball enough against the Celtics. You're going to get a good shot. Cause we're going to miss a rotation. We're messing up our pick and rolls. There's two guys going to the wrong guy. Someone's wide open. It's just the first half against the Bucks the other night, it, they were getting any shot they wanted every possession. And I know we like to, to switch everything, but it's something where I can't tell you how many possessions in the first half ended with Middleton isoed on Kemba, backing him down into a shot that he's just not going to miss. So you got Celtics fans out here saying, oh my God, Middleton is so good against us, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, he was shooting all his shots against either Tice or Kemba. So at some point you either have to have to stop switching that, find a way to get through it, send him some help, something, but it's just been so tough to watch on defense. Like the offense is there at times, but the defense, especially when it seems like we're really pushing and have the guys we want in there, in there, something's still just missing. So yeah, that's, that's been the toughest part. And I think hopefully it's just the guys we have are not really fitting this scheme. They either haven't figured it out or they're just not really well equipped for it. So Part of that is Brad has to probably adjust his scheme and adjust what we're doing more quickly before we're just getting smoked by the same thing over and over again like that or or something's got to give. But it, it also just seemed like they kind of didn't care, which was bad too. You didn't, you didn't see much fire in these losses. You didn't see enough passion. The one guy you expect it from and who you have seen it from is obviously Marcus Smart. We, you know, that's the one thing he's provided a spark in that sense. And he and Tice having an animated exchange on the sidelines seemed to spark some of the best defense the team has played all year. So <laughs> dying to see more of that, you know, Marcus is going to provide it, but at a certain point you need it from other guys. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not calling out Tatum or Brown because you can be obviously a Kawhi Leonard and lead your team, but you got to have more guys with care. And part of that is the roster construction and that there aren't really veteran leaders in there who maybe have the, the gravitas to be able to to yell at guys or it doesn't even have to be yelling but you know what i mean just do something to, to show some passion to show that you care want to see more of that too and you know a lot of this stuff is just sounds like tired cliches but at a certain point when you keep losing the same way time after time it's like something's got to give and i don't know if that's hard fouling someone or something stupid like that but just just show me something show me that you're pissed off about all these losses. Yeah, no, I mean, it's hard to argue with any of that. And the only thing I would say is, um, the only thing I kind of disagree with is the offense. I know you said, for the most part, you're not worried about us, you know. Well, by, by comparison. I'm not saying yeah, the offense. By comparison, absolutely. I am more, con- con- more confident that the offense can be fixed if it's like a playoff type game or something, as yeah. evidenced by the other night in, in Milwaukee for most of the second half and stuff. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. the offense is there's a much clearer path to the offense improving than the defense. Um, but still, that's also been something I've been disappointed with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, Tatum and Brown are you know great scorers, but there we shouldn't have these periods of you know two, three, four minutes going without a bucket. Um, I'm not blaming them entirely, but that's what you're you know, superstar all-stars are supposed to be able to do for you. If you're in a scoring slump, they should be able to get you a bucket, get you the line, you know, get someone the ball wide open. I mean, 
I know they're still learning how to make the teammates better, but, um, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't expect them all to be, you know, in their prime when they're, you know, 23, 24, but you know, that's something they have to improve on and still just, you know, it's frustrating to see knowing how good they are. I guess maybe it's, I don't know if it's unfair expectations to think they should do that at this age, but it's just, you know, it's something I would like to see some more of. Um, I think we we just don't have, we don't have that person really that to run the offense through. Well, right. And I think the thing is that person should be Kemba Walker. So, I mean, I have a very hard time really blaming Brown or Tatum for much of what's happened this year. Um, I think they've been completely overburdened. And that's one of the things, you know, again, we'll get, in, we'll get into the trades in a second, I promise. But that's clearly the, the Celtics realize this and they've tried to fix it. You can't have two guys doing that much. They've done a great job. And I think they've kept the off. The offense has been mostly fine. And. And that's the thing when in like in that second half the other night, when Kemba looks like himself in bursts, the offense looks great. So I'm not really worried about Brown and Tatum as much as a lot of the times it's like we start, we go on a nice run and then you say there's a lull, but it's like you look out there and the lineups were asking these guys to carry. Sometimes it's, I looked the other night and it's, you know, Teague, Tice, Shemi, (laughs) Jalen and Grant Williams or something. It's it's just like how much can you ask one player to do? So obviously we needed another scorer and we frankly need a lot more out of Kemba if if we're going to be better than this. Because if Kemba's just looking like basically a, a, a role player and kind of sixth man type of spark, which he's been lately at best, then yeah, we have two stars need to be in the right role. And that just has not been the case for the Celtics. So that's the other thing is it's hard to even assign blame other than Kemba's obviously, but it seems like that's just age and injury or, or whatever, or slumping. But the other guys, like, again, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint one guy and be like, this guy's killing us. Cause he's not doing this. It's, it's just a combination of, the whole roster really not being what it needs to be. And when you say it makes no sense, it's like when you really look back and analyze it, we've been blessed and lucky to have so much talent that we can, we can overcome it. But at a certain point we've lost in the last two years, Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, Al Horford. That's like, that's nice starting talk. lineup that's nice is, 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 is that's a playoff team, you know? So yeah. it's at a certain point that that's going to catch up with you. And again, for the most part, we've replaced those guys with either vets who aren't nearly as good as them, rookies who either aren't nearly as good or aren't ready for that role, and then the big seemingly swing and a miss, Kemba Walker, who's a shell of his old self and is, is killing us both on the court and in our salary cap sheet. So you say it makes no sense, but I, I when you kind of take a step back and look at it all and watch how it's played out, like it does make sense, uh, you know, so a lot's gone wrong. A lot of that was bad luck with things like Irving just deciding to quit on the team and leave. And part of it was, was bad decisions, but regardless, we are where we are. And uh, I think that's kind of the reality and what they've realized. And again, you got the weird COVID season. You've, we've been missing a ton of players cause of COVID and we've had injuries and no home court, blah, blah, blah. So 
hope I'm hoping we'll look back on this in a few years and be like, wow, that was what a fluky season because of all that shit. But I, at this point, I don't think you can just bank on that anymore. No, I'm, I'm, I don't think anyone should be using, you know, that excuse. And I don't think anyone is really, but no, it's, you know, we're all in the same boat. All the teams are in the same boat. So um, I know it's all different circumstances for, for each team, but um, you know, for everyone's playing with, with what they got and um, right. we're just not playing well enough. No, that's, that's accurate. So I think we've kind of uh, dwelled on the past. Shall we move on to the trades that went down and how, how things are going to be going forward? Yeah, I'm ready to go. All right. So a lot of, like I said, a lot of smoke at the deadline is, as there always is with the Celtics, a million rumors think this guy's leaving. This guy's coming. This and that at the end of the day, what actually happened, the Celtics traded Jeff Teague and two second round picks along with, a good chunk of our Hayward traded player exception for Evan Fournier from the Orlando magic. And then in a later move that was not part of the same trade, but um, was done mostly for, for money related reasons because of that trade, we said goodbye to Daniel Tice and Javante green and welcomed in Mo Wagner and Luke Cornette. So first of all, we'd be remiss not to take a moment to appreciate Daniel Tice and the player he became in Boston. He will almost certainly never get the credit or respect he deserved, but he's been a great, a great teammate, a great professional and really become a good player. A guy who came over here with, you know, pretty much an unknown. He was the two time defensive player of the year in the Bundesliga in Germany. Great player over there came over and, uh, really just started playing well, carved himself out a role in the rotation and eventually became a starter on an Eastern conference finals team. And, and deservedly. So he's, he's a really good player. He still is. I hate that he kind of became a casualty of the salary cap for us, but it is what it is. We'll dive into the reasons why he was traded. But for now, I just want to say, you know, Daniel, great player. The war on Tice will, will never end, and I'll, I'll definitely wish him the best of luck in Chicago. I, I hope that he's a part of that team, and he certainly deserves to be, and hopefully he'll also get a nice payday in the offseason, which is also well-deserved. He was nothing but class, and an easy guy to root for, who always played hard and did his best to kind of overcome his natural shortcomings, and like I said, has become a really, really solid, reliable NBA rotation player. So, Daniel Tice, you will certainly be missed. Love you, bud. Miss you already. <laughs> I'm pouring out for you tonight. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, sad to see him go. But hopefully, like you said, hopefully there's big things to come for him. And uh, he, should have, he should have a long NBA career. He should. And it's sad that it basically came to this because of really just mismanaged assets that it, it, we – had to trade him out of necessity we basically had to salary dump him which sucks because he's yeah. still a really good player and he was our starting center and like obviously this is another reflection on poor poor signings in the past and tristan thompson for the full mid-level at basically making double what tice is making obviously we tried to dump time uh not time load we tried to dump thompson and clearly no one wanted him so it ended up having to be Tice, which sucks and is unfair to him, like I said. And I think a lot of people are confused, uh, but it's the sad reality that it had to happen because he was 
at least a, t- a player that someone would take on with a $5 million expiring deal. And we uh, weren't going to be able to pay him. And now we are, we have too many centers as it was. So again, poor Tice, really good player. I think he'll, he'll help Chicago and he will be missed by Boston. I don't know if you got anything else to, to add on Daniel or if we want to get into uh, additions. Um, I'll touch back on Daniel when we get to that trade. I think, I mean, okay. if you want to hit on maybe the Fournier move and then we can kind yeah. of give the All recap. Right. So yeah, let's, let's focus on the big, the big actual move that did happen. And again, that's adding Evan Fournier to the Celtics. So Fournier is having a career year, averaging about 20 points and almost four assists a game for Orlando. Now take that with a grain of salt because Orlando is so bad and banged up that he's basically been like their first or second option, which obviously won't be the case for the Celtics, but Fournier is a three level scorer always has been. He's a really good shooter. He can create his own shot. He can move the ball. He's just a really, really solid offensive player. And he fills exactly the need we were just talking about. I think he's about six, eight can play a guard wing, whatever versatile again, exactly theoretically at least what the Celtics have needed. Fournier is a guy we've been talking about. I think I brought him up even before the season started when we were just talking about guys who might be available with the exception. So we were skeptical as to whether or not the Celtics would trade for a guy on an expiring deal as Fournier is making 17 million and change, I believe, and his deals up at the end of the season. But again, the price was basically just using a chunk of the TPE two second round picks and dumping Teague, which um, we're not going to do a segment uh, on Jeff Teague like we just did with Tice. I'll just put it that way. Um, so what are your thoughts on the addition of Fournier, especially at this price? So in a vacuum, you know, just from the trade itself, um, you know, what we sent out and what we got in, it's kind of a no brainer. I mean, there's no way to say <laughs> that Jeff Teague, two second rounders for Evan Fournier is not a huge win. Exactly. Um, so from that sense, like you said, he's a very good player. Um, like I said earlier, sort of Hayward, or I didn't say Hayward, but we were missing somebody well, right. Hayward, Hayward-esque. And, and I exactly. think that's kind of the role that he fills. You know, he's he can totally. shoot, he can create his own shot. He's a wing where we mm-hmm. have very little wing depth. Um, you know, can set up the offense, pass. He's versatile. Um, I'm not sure, you know, he's a great defender, but He's solid. Um, he's solid. He can, yeah. he, and the thing is, he may not be the best defender, but I think he can be really good in this defensive scheme where we want guys like that who, like you just said, are versatile. He can yeah. rotate. He can switch. He can stay in front of guys. He's not going to win defensive player of the year or anything, but he's a competent defender, and he mm. fills a need on them, that defense that we really, really need. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously that trade's you know, a win. It's going to – we're a better team with him. Yeah. Um, than we were without Jeff Teague. Uh, and not, <laughs> not for nothing. I've really liked the way Teague has played the last, you know, he has actually. Weeks, so, he has. Uh, that's played kind of off. interesting timing, but I think he was the obvious casualty here. Um, yeah. But that all being said, I need to see what happens with Fournier in the offseason. Um, we ate 17 million of that trade exception. And I know, you know, I don't want to assume that that trade exception is going to turn into like a, you know, some superstar or anything. So 
in reality, this might have ended up being, you know, a good move and one of the better uses of the trade exception. But if we get to the offseason, Fournier walks, you know, we don't even get another sign and trade or anything out of him, and we just blew 17 million of that trade exception, then that makes this deal look much worse, which in turn makes the Hayward trade look much worse. So it's kind of a domino effect, in my opinion. I don't think I can really give this a true grade until we see what happens in the offseason. Um, but if we're just grading it on the present, we're a better team. Um, mm. We won the trade for sure. I mean, I guess it was a win-win <laughs> considering well, Fournier was, was yeah. walking away. And the, the, uh, now the Magic are trying to lose. Yeah, so that yeah. it, it actually helped the Magic for yeah. their goal this year. And again, they were obviously so losing him for nothing. It was a win-win. It made us yeah. better. It made them worse. Yeah. So. yeah, right, right. And they got two seconds, which, hey, yeah. picks are yeah. picks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, I let, yeah, I'll start with, with the on-court stuff with Fournier. So, yeah, uh, I mean, he fills – I mean, I was kind of foreshadowing it by saying what we're missing. He's just that. So, Fournier – He's overburdened on the magic, obviously, as a <clears throat> kind of a lead option. His perfect role is is a sixth man. He should be he's a guy who I think if if on a good team in a sixth man role, which he hasn't really had, obviously, for a while, anything close to that, he's a guy who you would expect to be in the running for sixth man of the year. And the Celtics just haven't had a guy like that. I mean, we don't have anyone on the bench other than I guess Robert Williams, but he's obviously a very different kind of player who you can even expect like anything from if any player on the bench other than Robert Williams reaches 10 points in a game, I would say you're pleasantly surprised. And that's been the case for the whole year. And I just don't think you can win like that. Fournier. I don't know if he'll, he'll start or come off the bench. It doesn't really matter. He can either come in as that first wing. I mean, you look at some of these games that the Celtics are losing close games and you see something like, Tatum is is plus 13 when he's on the court and minus 20 when he's off the court. It's like now we go from Tatum coming off to Fournier coming in. A guy who, like I said, he's not an all-star, but he scored, he's scoring 20 points a game right now in the NBA. That's good. He's making 46% of his shots and 39% of his threes. He can get to the free throw line. These are really good things that the Celtics do not have. Um, so he's he's not Jalen or Tatum, but he's a third wing in that mold who can who can do what they do and who can space the floor. Just his presence on the floor, another guy who you who the defense has to respect, who has to knock down shots. Now the defense isn't rotating over to, to semi Ojale or whoever it's been, another guard, whatever. It's a real threat. So as we kind of just look down now at the lineups we can trot out there. It's so much better. He fills what Hayward filled in terms of role and arguably even better. Not, he's obviously not a better player than Hayward, but I think he might be more equipped to do this role for us. Cause I think Hayward, Hayward, you could probably say the biggest issue was maybe that his role was too, was getting too small by the end of his Celtics tenure. Um, and it was kind of hard for him to make the impact that you can see he, he can make with a bigger role. Whereas Fournier, I think the opposite is true. His role is too big right now on the Celtics. I think the perfect role is there for him. So in terms of basketball fit, I'm not sure realistically we could have done much better. I mean, we'll see what it looks like, but again, we just have so many more options. The roster just makes sense. Now we have a third wing you can play and, and getting rid of Teague means we'll play Pritchard more. So it's like, we've got a just clearly defined rotation. Now Kemba, Marcus Pritchard at guard, you know, Jalen Tatum, 
Fournier can play wing. And then Thompson, Time Lord at center, mix in Grant, Shemi now sparingly as, you know, where you have to. And it's like, okay, that looks like a real basketball team. What we've been trotting out with this nonsense of two centers starting, or if it's not that, it's two point guards starting. Sometimes it's both. Now we actually have a real NBA roster built for the current state of the NBA in 2021. We can run out three wings at a time. Like we can run out a defensive lineup with Smart, Fournier, Tatum, Brown. That's really good. And Robert Williams, that's a great lineup. We can have a great offensive lineup if you put Kemba in there for instead of Smart. Like those are, that's so much shooting to have on the floor. This is just a luxury that we did not have. And it's in a sense, I guess, kind of sad that just adding Evan Fournier seemingly does that much for the roster but it, it really does i think anyone who's disappointed by the move or was expecting bigger i think you'll be pleasantly surprised to watch and kind of see how good fournier is and how much he does help in the in the short term yeah um i also think it's interesting that the two people we played traded away one was teague who's been getting a ton of minutes and Pritchard's been playing like four minutes a game. Yep. So obviously it thins the herd yeah. there. And then same thing with Tice. Tice, you know, has been playing yep. a ton of minutes. Tristan's been, you know, in the protocol or whatever. So it's weird. Two players we get we gave up are players that have been, you know, most impactful as far as injuries and whatever for the last couple of weeks. But that's just a side note. Well, I think um, it's also there's something to that in Danny, maybe not like intentionally doing this, but I think part of this is almost forcing Brad to play the young guys, you know, now yeah. Time Lord and Pritchard pretty much have to play. We'll see if we yeah. buy someone out, but no, it's like, you got to play these kids now. There's no more dicking around with three centers and mm. way too many guards. Like, you know, part of it is, is conceding that the signings sucked that they made, <laughs> but again, we're not dwelling on the past. We're in the here and now. So I'd rather um, him admit that he made a mistake than just right. continue to push it down our throats. So, well, exactly. So uh, yeah, the Fournier signing was huge. One other thing, uh, the Fournier trade addition, um, I think now in the right matchups, which I think a lot of them will be if the Celtics ever play meaningful games against good teams this year with this lineup, but they can now do kind of what we always wanted last year with the best five lineup with Hayward. You can now do that in theory with Fournier. If we're not facing like a Joel Embiid type, you can run out Kemba, Marcus, Fournier, Brown, and Tatum, which is a, a really impressive lineup uh, offensively and defensively, really other than maybe not so much Kemba on defense, but I'm definitely feeling a lot better than I was about the state of this year's team than I was the other day, which is certainly not saying much, but I think now this is a team that can and at least make a run and, and hopefully get back to competing for the playoffs and hopefully looking at a round one matchup. We hope we can win. Maybe that's too optimistic, but um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that Fournier can really help and is really the right, the right kind of piece. And that, we have so much talent, like we kind of said at the beginning, it's almost confusing. They're this bad. But I don't think they necessarily needed like a huge, huge fix. Um, and we'll see As in what otherwise looked like a lost year. Now we get kind of an audition of, of what Fournier looks like. So I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with all that. Um, Fournier, like you said, he would be great 
coming off the bench as a six man, it's probably, you know, where he's best in the role in this offense. But I think we'll get the most out of him, the most out of team, the more he plays with Tatum and Brown. Because I think mm-hmm. that's – he's going to help them more than, you know, they're going to help him. I think, you know, having him out there, is, you know, like we were saying, is going to free up, you know, Tatum and Brown in theory for, you know, some – Right. Maybe some, well, you know – Yeah. And that's the thing with those yeah. those other lineups. It, it almost doesn't matter, like, yeah, if he starts or not. But it's as soon as we start staggering the different guys – now there it's just one more really good offensive player who's always going to be on the floor where kind of those lineups I described at the beginning where it's like Tatum or Brown and four guys who can't even play. Well, I shouldn't say can't play, but they're not offensive threats is now we're at least going to have two really good offensive threats at a time on the floor, which was not the case. And also as we've seen that Kemba's sitting in all these back-to-backs, those are basically games we can't win. Now we have another real offensive threat. So mm-hmm. those are games that were almost like unwatchable going in. You knew that we didn't have a chance. Now I think you could say we'll have a chance in those, at least um, another real score. So filled a huge need. Uh, you got to check that box for the Celtics at least. Yeah. So what, uh, what would you give Celtics for a grade on this one? Well, <laughs> you said it's incomplete. So I guess before we do a grade, let's get into the reason why I guess it's incomplete in a little more detail. So again, Fournier's contract is expiring. So we really wanted to get someone with the TPE, I guess, who is more of a long-term solution. Now, because it's expiring does not mean he's leaving. And I even saw some reports. I think John Hollinger from The Athletic maybe mentioned that he wouldn't be surprised at all to see an immediate uh, sign and extend to, to right away at lock Fournier up for the next few years. So I think we, you know, we have his bird rights. If we want him, we, we should be able to keep him or can at least sign and trade would kind of push the, another, the TP down the road a little, that'd be getting into some really kind of cap nerd stuff. But anyway, it's not like he's necessarily a rental. There are plenty of avenues to the Celtics keeping him if he looks good and works out. Now the question would kind of mean be well then what does that mean for the rest of the roster? So that it would get it would get confusing certainly, and it probably will. But I think getting Fournier without really giving up anything is like you said at worst. We just he was a rental, but this team needed something, or it was basically a lost season, which it still very well may be. But this at least gives us some hope in the interim. And a chance to look at a guy who potentially is still young and good enough that he could be part of this going forward. If, if the price is right, he likes it here, he fits, et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of just hope for the best, hope it really works out well, hope that Fournier likes it. And he agrees to stay long-term at a reasonable price, which I don't think is a crazy thing to hope for, but who knows? And we've acquired players a lot in the past assumed that they were going to resign and stay here. And that obviously hasn't worked out so well for the Celtics. Dangerous assumption always. It, it clearly has been. So then the other thing with the TPE where that's, that's the part that's again, we talked before about kind of these like rainbow land Celtics fans who just think everything's going to work out. That was looking at a, a TPE and thinking that is going to equate to a star player. That was never going to be the case there was not a star player who would have fit into this circumstance. I just don't think that's realistic. So to sit on it and do nothing 
made no sense to me. You get back something. This is a good player. Just because we might lose him, you get a good player with the exception, do it. We still have 11 million we can use in the offseason. If you go into the offseason with that 28 million, everyone knows it's about to expire. So they're lowballing the shit out of you. You lose a lot of leverage. I think the most realistic and practical solution was probably always trying to split it up on two good players, which is very much still in play. Again, I mean, 11 million is not nothing. It's a nice traded player exception to have going into the off season. So we kind of just kicked the can down the road. We got better at present and we still have largely the same options come this off season. Again, we lost the traded player exception, but I, <laughs> I, I, I'd be pretty surprised if the off season shows up and, and something emerges where I'm saying, Oh man, I really wish we had that whole 28 million exception. That would be the difference in us getting this star player. Like, I just don't think that's a realistic scenario. So to be like lamenting, not using it on a star or not saving it for a star, I just think is, is a risky business. And you take, you take the sure thing right here where, who knows what it'll be, but at the very least it's, it's something because letting that exception expire or getting into a position where it's so close to expiring that you're settling for something you really don't want. It would have just been an absolute nightmare scenario. So I really can't be too upset about using that. No, um, I know. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to, like you said, kicking the can down the road with the TP is, can be dangerous. Um, and I think, you know, at one point we all were kind of looking at it and be like, wow, that's, you can fit like a, you know, you might be able to fit like a max in under there, something <laughs> like that. You're, you know, use that TPE to move a couple, you know, three team trade and, you know, get a Bradley right. Beal or something like that. But it's always that been just, a long shot. And um, that just got, that guy just doesn't exist. No. That's the other thing. Cause Beal was over it and all the real stars are, are too much. So you're looking at guys who are largely overpaid. I mean, we've been through the guys who would even fit the exception. And then again, it's not like you just tell the team, it has to make sense for the other team to do it too. So you're throwing in a zillion assets still and just using the exception. Like it just, it's just a lot to hope for. I mean, I, I think getting a, a really, really good player who will help right away and could be part of things long, like, if we re if he works and we resign him and he's part of the team going forward, this is basically an A, right? Yeah, like no, the absolutely. trade grade is an A. Yeah. If he's a rental, it doesn't work out and we lose him. I think it's still like a C plus because on paper I still like the swing. Right now, it's this is what you want and the risk is is well the it's well worth it in my books for the potential reward where the what you lose is essentially nothing. This traded player exception who. You know, sounds great, but the trade player exception hasn't exactly been scoring a lot of points for the Celtics or locking anyone up on defense. Yeah. Um, and even if we do lose them, you know, I want I want to see something, see this turn into something, whether it's him or um, re-signing or, you know, sign a trade or something. But right, I do think there's something to be said for Danny showing maybe a little bit of confidence in the team, mm -hmm. um, you know, I know we, he hasn't made a trade deadline move in a long time. So, um, and there are many other reasons, you know, those years as are this year, but, um, you know, I think there's something to be said for, you know, saying, Hey, I still think you guys are good enough to make a run. Um, I want to, you know, show you that we're still investing in this team. We want to put some, you know, good players around you. It's like, 
it's not, you know, it's not an admission that, you know, they're, it's a lost season. He wants these guys to know that, you know, they're still expected to win games. And this is, you know, a step in that direction. Um, well, I think it's part confidence, but also part maybe not wanting to let Brown and Tatum get too, like, down. If, oh, yeah. they keep, if they keep working so hard and being so let down by the rest of the roster, it's at least Danny saying, like, you guys deserve better. So yeah. <laughs> here's uh-huh. another real player to help. But either way, yeah, I mean, same yeah. same. It's, point. Im- it's important to have your young stars think that you're, you know, mm-hmm. trying to give them some help. Um, and like development be, you know, and growth yeah. and progress and all those things matter a shitload as we preached all year, but at a certain point, so does just like winning some damn games. Right. Yeah. So, you know, having the team play better, be more successful, win games is just as good for development as, you know, you know, busting your ass in the gym and, you know, practice and whatnot. It's right. game experience. I mean, if you're winning games, then you're doing something right. And, you know, if your two best players are young stars and you're winning games, then, you know, that's a good sign for the future. So I think, I think it's, it's not wrong to invest in this season, you know, considering the, you know, low risk it was. Um, so in a vacuum right now, without grading, you know, what happens in the off season and still give it, you know, a B. I mean, yeah, I think like, at, like you said, least. yeah, if we, uh, I mean, just considering, you know, what, what came in and what left. I mean, it's obviously a B. Right. Um, you know. And so, what, yeah. Something. I mean, again, what would be the reason that Celtics fans would be upset? Just because it's not the, the flashy name. It's not the fireworks. Yeah. It's not the blockbuster they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Like, is that the reason? Because that guy just wasn't out there. And if he was, it would be such a huge overpay. So I guess that... While we're talking about the Magic, let's talk about the other two Magic players who got dealt. One, Aaron Gordon requested a trade, was very clearly about to be dealt, and was rumored at one point that the Celtics were the favorites to land him. Gordon is, uh, I think, 25 or 26-year-old still who's been – I think he was kind of expected to be a star and has never quite gotten there. Um, and like kind of everyone on the magic has been thrust into too big of a role. So he's been playing the role of superstar on a really bad team with mixed at best results. The kind of theory with Gordon is that he's still so young and has so much talent. and does so many things well that a change of scenery with some talent around him <laughs> um, and, you know, not having to be the main guy, we'd see a great Aaron Gordon. So, how did you feel, I guess, about the Celtics not getting Aaron Gordon? How how excited were you about the prospect of Gordon? How realistic did you think it was? And, like, how much do you think he would have helped? Do you think we really missed out, or are you not worried about it? Um, I would have liked them to make that move. Um, I think he would have been a good fit. Uh, you know, he's maybe somewhat – in you know would have filled somewhat of that role that uh fournier is filling for us but um, obviously it can't would come at a higher price tag it was gary harris rj hampton in a first so i mean for us i don't know what that is neesmith grant in a first something like that um i don't know i mean it's well uh well no so the so here's the thing i guess the Celtics, what they offered, at least that what we know they offered, is a one first-round pick, 
and Aaron Neesmith. Right. So we didn't, we didn't need to match the salary uh, for yeah. Gordon because of the TPE. Right. So, and he has another, Gordon makes, I think, 18 million ish and has one year left after this at 16 million. So he signed for another year, which obviously makes him more appealing. Um, and then he, he's the bigger name. He's younger, obviously. He's a really good defender. He's kind of like a stretch four, I would say, at this point in his career is probably his best role, but he can defend the elite wings in the NBA. Uh, really good, versatile defender is probably his best strength. He can knock down open shots. Um, you know, he's a good cutter. He could be a screener. He can, he can make some plays. I think you just don't want him as your premier playmaker. So I think people have kind of probably overhyped Aaron Gordon in the past few weeks based on the idea of Aaron Gordon, because we haven't really seen what, what I think his reputation is. Is, is that fair? Like he's been a good, okay to good NBA player. He's never really been solid. So I think you're, you're kind of banking on a lot of things all working out, which I think is a, is a reasonable bet. I'm, I'm not saying he can't achieve that. He's just had a horrible supporting cast and, been overburdened in Orlando. So um, I think the hype around him is probably a bit much, but I think he, he certainly is a really good player who would have filled a big role for us. Again, it just comes down to, if, okay, they preferred that deal to a first in Neesmith. How much more are you willing to go? I think the rumor out there, at least, is that Orlando demanded Marcus Smart. The Celtics obviously <laughs> laughed that off, I don't think there was ever a chance. And I mean, the angels said that that was just, there was never a chance smart was getting dealt, which put my heart to uh, at ease a little bit, just cause you, you know, it's so easy to get scared, but that, I mean, in my opinion, that trading a first smart Andy Smith for Gordon would have been like unforgivably bad move by Ainge. So I'm assuming you agree with that, but I'm not sure. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if smart was included. Um, okay. So if, I mean, if that was, the only option then obviously i'm not doing it but um i, I just feel like i mean, that I mean package, would, you, would you have thrown in another first like at what point is it like jesus we're giving up two firsts and a guy we just drafted in the first so almost three firsts for aaron gordon like i think you almost have to take a step back at a certain point and be like jesus are, are we just falling in love with like the idea of this i don't know yeah that i mean it's tough my, the way I've looked at it this whole time is like, if we're, you know, we're trading the TP or we're, we're using some of the TP. I want to get someone back with some term. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it was, you know, someone older, um, you know, that we just have for, you know, this year, next year, someone like a good tradable contract, uh, you know, like George Hill. And we talked about that before, but um, this just seemed like it would have been a good move for us now and for the future. Just, just considering, you know, I'm talking about just adding Aaron Gordon, um, right? You know, 25. Obviously, like yeah. Said, they've they've been a he's been a disaster of a team in his whole career. Um, you know, it's not the best. You know, the best run organization never really had good supporting cast. Um, so you'd think, in theory, come to the Celtics, good coaching, good management. Um, you know, maybe you get the most out of him. And that's still not, you know, I'm, I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star or anything, but mm-hmm. he's a good defender, good offensive player. He can help us on both ends. 
and you know we at least get him next year. Um, and I'm not sure what he would demand in a extension, but I mean it'd be nice to you know to know we have him next year, and then we can at least see what happens. If we don't, if we're not going to keep him long term, then we still have mm-hmm. him under contract that we can move him for something. I, I don't know, I mean, but you know that's so, just in a vacuum. Going well, call back me crazy. To, yeah, but I think if if they you take aside the extra year of the deal, like I'm not sure just adding Gordon would actually help the present team more than just adding Fournier. That might be a hot take, but I just think based on needs and what they bring, like I think where Gordon ended up in Denver is like almost a perfect fit for him. He's going to go play alongside Jokic. He's what they needed. Like they needed a replacement for kind of Jeremy Grant, that kind of bigger wing who's tough can mostly do the gritty stuff that Denver doesn't have and kind of let Murray Jokic and to a lesser extent Porter Jr. be the shows on offense. And Gordon will just shoot wide open shots and cut for dunks off passes from Jokic. Like he's now (laughs) couldn't be in a much better role. So he's probably going to look really good. And you Celtics fans are going to be, Oh, Danny's such an idiot where it's like, no, Aaron Gordon is just now in the perfect role for Aaron Gordon. I uh, I would have loved to see him in Portland too. Like teams like that who really needed the wing and wings and defense and a little more size. Whereas the Celtics really needed like a true wing and a scorer. So I don't I don't know. In in more of a featured scoring role, which is what Fournier will have. Like I, I think Gordon obviously would have really helped us too. I guess I just don't think the the difference in actual value of just the player on the court is that different. Yeah, I know. And I'm not. I'm not saying like if you just same trade swap out Fournier for Gordon, then all of a sudden we're a contender or anything for like this year, or next year. It's just yeah, it's just the it's a flashier toy. Yeah, and I mean Definitely. I do love his athleticism. I mean we, I mean just looking at what we've done with Time Lord this year, someone who sure. can get above the rim, we seem to be able to get you know get them, you know, easy shots. I mean if. But I guess again, but the thing is to me that it's great to have a time Lord out there, but now, especially without Tice are it almost all the time, we're going to be playing a real center. So I'm not sure I want to play another guy who's not really a shooter. Like Gordon is a, he's having a solid year shooting threes and he can shoot well on wide open threes. But if you're counting on him to like, I think again, the spacing's not great. You're going to have, you want him probably either in the corner or the dunker spot. And it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I guess I'm just, I'm not convinced. I don't think he would have looked as good on the Celtics as he probably will look in Denver, but he still probably would have looked better than he did in Orlando. Right. Um, he, he's definitely going to look great in Denver. I mean, that's, that is a great fit for him. So they're going to be fun yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about that. So I don't know. I mean, I, I would have taken either of them. Um, the idea of Gordon, originally I wasn't a huge fan of and then just slowly started growing on me. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, eventually got to the point where I was like, wow, we're really going to get him. I, I'm excited. <laughs> and then just didn't happen. But well, and I think that's kind of the thing is we, everyone talks themselves into something and then you, you're kind of like, wow, we're really going all in for this guy. Huh? So yeah. again, I think if you just look at what, what we would have had to give up, which is looking like, again, let's assume that we could have, up to their deal by adding another first. So that's uh, Neesmith, a guy on a rookie con- first year of a rookie deal. Who's at least he hasn't shown a lot, but he's at least an asset Yeah. and two first round picks, which are assets. So that would be 
not like draining our <laughs> war chest for Aaron Gordon, but fairly close. Um, so uh, the fact that we didn't give up any of our young assets, which again, calling them assets is probably generous, but players who could at least be traded and keeping all of our first round picks going into the off season while still getting a player who really helps us, I think could end up being a really good thing. Whereas if it was Gordon, it would kind of be a lot more of like, uh, okay, now this is, this is, we've got a lot tied up in this. We've got a lot invested in this current iteration of the team. So they better be damn good. Cause we don't have a ton more wiggle room to make moves. Yeah. And I mean, just comparing it to also the Vucevic trade, which that's what I was going to get to next. Yeah. Too. I mean, he got, you know, it was Wendell, Wendell and two firsts for him. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Smith and two firsts for Gordon. I mean, he's, he's not worth the same, you know, Vucevic is, you know, an actual stud of a player. Right. Um, Gordon, you know, is younger, obviously. Um, I think Vuce has another two years under his contract, but, you know, he's 30 years old. Um, but, you know, he's a good player. He's, you know, all-star caliber. Um has been good for a long time. So I don't know if Gordon is worth the same sort of price tag as, as Vucevic. So, I mean, I think, you know, that would have been hard to justify, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think it was a good deal for Denver. I think it makes sense for them. They needed to help. They need to get over the hump somehow. Um, you know, yeah. Hopefully this helps them. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. And so then to go into Vucevic, who was more the, – the, the smoke wasn't there surrounding Vucevic. Which that, that one kind of was out of left field. I didn't think Vuce was going to get dealt. Yeah. Um, but it so it came out that the Celtics were in on him. They made a bid, and what it came down to is Orlando really wanted a solid young piece who was kind of like a foundation of the trade. They obviously liked Wendell Carter, and it came down to the Celtics just didn't have anyone of that caliber that they wanted. So it's we would have probably had to put in like Neesmith and maybe three firsts to trumpet. At that point, I would have been pretty upset if the Celtics had done that. You know how much I like Vooch and the contract is good, but you're then going all in for a 30-year-old center. I that I mean that's you know one one bad injury away from being like now we're screwed. So 30-year-old center and a 30-year-old point guard. Right. So again, as I like Vooch and I, I love the move for the Bulls, but I, um, again, that's another one where I'm sure you're going to hear some Celtics fans being like, oh, another star that Danny missed out on. But like, I think that would have been a disaster for the Celtics. And just like, it would have made it look to me like Danny's basically on tilt. What if it was, what if, let's see, I'm trying to compare who. Who's one? Who's Wendell on our team? Time Lord. Yeah, I guess. So I mean, Time Lord and two. I mean, firsts. Time, I'd say Time Lord's better right now, but uh, maybe you know Carter's still a little younger, was drafted higher, has you would think more upside. But yeah, so no, I mean, honestly, would you want to do Time Lord and two first? I wouldn't. No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm just, I just, I'm just thinking that's that's probably a, the comp the comp for us. If right. It was sure. I mean, okay, if, we, yeah. if we weren't giving up three first or whatever, but. Um, like, you know, that still probably doesn't make us contender. I mean, I don't think he puts us over the edge as good as I think he is. Exactly. And he moves uh, up our timeline big time. Cause then again, yeah. you've got 50, almost $60 million invested for a couple more years for three more years. I think each and guys who are over 30 and yeah. uh, 
again, Vooch is playing like an all-star right now, but how long is that going to last? And again, we don't need a big. I've said that all year. People are still stuck in the 70s and the 60s and think that we need a dominant center to win. That is not how the NBA works. Investing a lot of money in a center is not how you win. I love Vucevic as a player, but I'm sorry. This is like a hard pass for me unless it became an issue of the magic or just desperate to get rid of him. But I mean, I think they got a solid return and uh, they probably, well, I shouldn't say definitely, but they probably prized the Bulls lottery picks a little better because I think the Celtics, at least at this point, have a little more proven track record of success, whereas they're probably thinking, you know, a couple very lightly protected lottery picks, uh, not lottery, but lightly, I think top four protected picks only from the Bulls could pan out better than if they probably figured if they traded Vooch to us, they're not getting lottery picks. Yeah. No, that's, so. It was a good move for, it was a good move for Orlando. Um, yeah. It's time for them to blow it up. I mean, totally it, time. <laughs> it's been, it was time like, it's been time. Ago, yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I'm I, glad, you know, I'm happy to see Vooch move on, even though it's Chicago, which isn't necessarily, you know, a much better organization, but um, fresh start. We'll see. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's exciting that he'll be paired with Levine. I'm really excited to just watch their two man game. And I think it'll be by far the best teammate certainly that either one of them has had i mean i was oh, yeah. i was looking at some of the point guards and players that vooch has been with over his tenure in orlando and it is grim like not, not really good. grim so yeah i mean there's a chance vooch looks great but I, again i think this would have been a big mistake on the celtics part so i'm i'm okay with the Celts missing out quote unquote on aaron gordon and i'm extremely okay with uh not going really too hard after Vucevic you do say those are both fair statements yeah um I'm not you know beating myself up over not getting either of them um yeah under the right circumstance obviously I'd love both of them they're both great players but you know this is the lowest risk highest reward trade we probably could have made I guess um it's not like Fournier is you know 35 he's 28 so I mean Exactly. He's younger than Vooch. He's only a little older than Gordon. And I think his game could probably age better than both of theirs. But like, again, uh, I'm not even convinced that like Gordon is a much better, if at all, player than Fournier right now. We'll see. But I don't know. I'm not. not (laughs) He definitely does jump higher. And I, 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 that's another funny thing with Gordon is how much of uh, what people know about him is the dunk contest. Yeah. And how much has that kind of helped perception of him that people recognize, oh, I remember that guy. He did the under both legs dunk. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I but, did think he was going to be, I thought he was going to be Blake Griffin coming out of college. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Everyone did. But at a certain point, like usually lottery picks who seem like, I, I don't want to call him a bus. That seems huh. harsh. Um, but guys who kind of didn't pan out and then another team convinces themselves, Oh, well, he was a lottery pick a few years ago. Uh, it just kind of like rarely works out. So again, I think he can be a really, really good role player. And I think he's found the perfect role in Denver, but I'm, I'm fine with not making him like this huge prize. Cause I yeah. don't think he is really exactly what we needed. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So was there anyone else who got dealt yesterday that 
you were kind of like disappointed we didn't grab thought we could have made a move for or we're just you know scratching your head um you know there weren't a lot of huge names i guess who got dealt other than the, the entire magic team but um any anyone catch your eye that made you like ah oh, that shit i wish we wish we were in on him uh nothing nothing like that to that extent um i did i mean obviously i would have loved to have norman powell um i don't know if we had the chips to make that work yeah that i don't sense. i don't think so and he's another guy who's going to get a huge payday yeah. he's basically basically expiring he's obviously going to decline that option and get a huge yeah. payday so yeah, um, yeah. no i i wasn't i i, I guess just yeah, on paper i, I would have loved the player i love him yeah but uh it was never realistic it was never realistic yeah, yeah anything no i mean i mean more guys that you were like thought disappointed danny didn't didn't push for mm. um honestly not really. Um, I mean, there were some good players, obviously, got traded, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I would have liked to see Old Depot, but I'm not really sure what we could have given, though. Uh, well, I mean, I mean other it's than shocking, picks, it's, but... well, sho- he didn't even go for a first, he went for, for nothing. <laughs> he went for I mean, Kelly Olinick and Avery oh, Bradley, which uh, is, pick swap, if yeah, which obviously isn't gonna okay. be bad, yeah. Um, so he, he went for Kelly Olenek, who's they're going to waive. Um, right. They got nothing for him. So, I mean, I think that speaks to Oladipo's perceived value around the league that yeah. he just didn't want him. And, I mean, I think Oladipo's probably a good player. He's a, he's a solid he player. There's yeah, a, good a good player in there somewhere. But, um, yeah, no, I was – I was had no problem not going after that. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Bielitsa from the Kings, maybe. He was another maybe. one who seemed like maybe a target. But I, I don't – we don't need it. No. I mean, there was nobody really that I was bummed about. Um, not, I mean, pre-deadline, I really wanted P.J. Tucker, but he ended up going for a, a King's Ransom, so can't be upset about that. <laughs> not sure I'd call it a King's Ransom, but <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but he's another guy who I think his, his fit just makes so much more sense where he landed on Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it works great for them, but... Um, and it's again like our whole sell to a guy like a PJ Tucker for him to want to come here is that he's going to play for a contender. And frankly, yeah. the Celtics aren't a contender right now. So mm. he's like, yeah, I'll go to the box. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, I know I was talking George Hill for a while, but obviously I'm not upset about that. It's just, it was mm-hmm. just a guy I thought was on the list. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think you get Fournier, he's kind of, not the obviously not the same role or position, but I'd rather take Fournier than Hill as right. at least just just the player. So uh, in that sense, I was fine with it. Um, like I said, I think we've said multiple times on here. I, at least I think I have that Fournier was like one of my favorite guys. If it wasn't for the contract, he was absolutely. I would go get him. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, I know we had obviously talked about guys like Harris and Barnes and Thaddeus Young, yeah. who we wanted, and but those guys just clearly weren't available. So. Right. Again, you know, get mad if you want Celtics fans that Danny didn't trade for a guy who wasn't getting traded. It seemed like everyone who was available, other than maybe Kyle Lowry, got traded. Yeah. yeah although maybe Lowry wasn't quite I mean, as. Uh... I guess it's it really. Seems well, he like was he available, was, but... but he was. He was available, but they weren't shopping him. I guess is, yeah. is what yeah. it would appear. He was. They were perfectly content keeping him. Clearly. Yeah, and uh, I mean, John Collins, I guess, was another one rumored, but. 
But again, I think it became clear in the last few weeks. Woj said in pretty pretty clear terms that they're not trading him. I think yeah. that was like a week before the deadline. So yeah. he had started to really play well. The Hawks as a team had started to play well. And I think they just looked at the market and were like, why are we doing this? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so overall, not upset. Um, I think we did, you know, as well as we probably, I think we extended ourselves as far as we probably should have. Um, all all things considered, um, I wouldn't mind dabbling in the in the buyout market if someone comes across. But um, yeah, I'm I'm happy with the deadline. I mean, overall, NBA wide, it was a great deadline, and I think we did fine. Okay, so um, well, I do want to get to the buyout options, but first, let's go into the other trade quickly. So, for any Celtics fans who just didn't understand why this happened, the second deal, well, I guess I could just quickly explain. Basically, the Fournier contract brought us over the luxury tax capacity. Um, we were already over the soft cap by far. This brought us over the the cap, so we had to give uh, to avoid the luxury tax. I think we had to give back like three million, four million, whatever. I'm sure. Like I said, we tried to dump guys like. Thompson, or we could have dumped a bunch of guys. We ended up dumping Tice and Javante Green, who are two guys, you know, I'll really miss. We both have talked about how much we like Javante, and he seemed like he was a really good locker room guy. But obviously, you know, when you're a 12th man on a mayor roster, it's going to happen. Uh, Tice, uh, it hurts more that he got dumped. The guys we brought in, Mo Wagner and Luke Cornett, I have no idea if they are long for this team. The early word is that we'll probably waive Cornette if we can pursue a buyout option. It seems like that's what the Celtics want to do, which whatever. If you keep both guys, I think they're both just up at the end of the year anyway. So this was strictly a money move. Uh, Mo Wagner is kind of just a younger out of Michigan, also German, like Tice, the rare German for German trade. And he's also a big who can stretch the floor. He hasn't been shooting as well as Tice, but he's got a little uh, inside-outside game. He's kind of scrappy. So, you know, could be something, but is also not a guy who I would expect to really be in the rotation. Uh, Cornette, same thing. He's another really big guy who can – bury some outside shots uh but he really hasn't hasn't shown much that he can be an nba player so i think there's a chance neither of these guys are really ever anything meaningful and this is really just a pure salary dump of tice to get back below the luxury tax and allow us to add uh, evan fournier so we obviously already lamented the loss of tice the loss of javante hurts but uh any other thoughts on either of these new guys or what what was kind of your reaction to this deal i mean there's in my opinion, there's nothing to like about this trade. I mean, we got we, <laughs> we didn't isn't. get we didn't get better. We got rid of players that I yeah. liked and you know yeah. good players on this team. Tice has been a soldier it's, for yeah. years now, um, and I thought Javante was sort of undervalued too. We've you know we've talked about him all year. Mm-hmm. Um, now this trade know. sucked. Yeah, so there's <laughs> like like when when you see a team make a trade just to save money, it's never a good feeling. Um, and I get it. I understand like the financials of basketball mm-hmm. and why they do it. Um, but you know, I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm like, oh, I'm not pumped that they. You can't look at this trade as a, dollars. You can't look at the right. trade as a Celtics fan and just be happy right. if you look at the players exchanging teams. Like, there's exactly. no world where that is the case. Obviously, there's the money. The one other thing that we have talked about all year is just that Danny gave us a shitty 
roster, like yeah. in terms of balance. We had three centers who all needed minutes, and we've kind of said all year they have to trade a center at the deadline. So I think we both agree we Time Lord was borderline untouchable for what we could realistically get back. Like we definitely didn't want to see him moved. And then I think Thompson was essentially unmovable. So it, Tice and we've talked, you know, he's wasn't we weren't gonna have the money to sign him at the end of the year. We thought there was a good chance he was kind of gonna be the guy who became a casualty of our salary cap mess if we wanted to really improve the roster. And that has happened. So it sucks. But again, we we had three very capable NBA centers. Now we have two, um, depending on how capable you want to say they are. Um, so yeah, I mean, it sucks, but again, it, it, it could be the blessing in disguise. Cause we've all been screaming for free time, Lord, free the time, Lord. This looks like this should be the freeing of the time Lord. Um, you know, so I can't wait for Celtics fans to freak out when Tristan Thompson is our starting center as soon as he returns again. Uh, but it, whatever we've been saying all year, one way or another, we need to play just two centers. Now that will be the case, of course, until we enter the buyout market and screw the whole thing up again. I don't know. But I feel like it's it was kind of a, fixing the roster was part of the mission of the day, adding the wing that we so desperately needed and getting rid of a center and then doing that while staying under the luxury tax. So I kind of look at it all as really one trade that we basically got traded Teague, Tice, Javante, and the two seconds for Fournier and two prospects are guys we can cut yep um i mean the only reason why this is an f is basically because it clears the path for robert williams which we've been you know rooting for all year um and i assume is the end of the double big lineup um hopefully (laughs) forever um so i mean that's the only positive i can see it from it you know fitting Mm -hmm. the herd a bit which um, you know, I think that's sometimes been our problem in the past, except we've had in the past, we've had too many good players. Now we have too many mediocre players. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's yeah. a crappy trade and right. the, the only good thing that could possibly <laughs> come out of it is time Lord emerges as a 30 minute a night guy and, mm. you know, turns into a you know really good young player core right. piece. Yeah, so it's, emerged this year. Yeah, it's easy to to be mad look, losing Tice, but again, this we've been saying all year that they needed to fix the roster, and that someone was, and that we were probably weren't going to bring Tice back. So it's like it sucks when it happens, but I think we both knew that it kind of had to happen and would eventually sooner than later. You wish that there had been a world where we could have somehow dumped Thompson, I guess, but mm. again. Thompson is fine in the right role. We've, we've, we've driven this into the ground, but if we get Thompson back, it sounds like, you know, they, the players and Brad really, really pushed back against this report that he was a bad locker room guy. So, you know, maybe that's even could become kind of a rallying point for the Celtics that they get pissed off that hey, people are saying we don't like each other. No, fuck that. We we like each other a lot. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, again, trying to, trying to spin it optimistically there, but all in all, other than it sucks to lose Tice, but uh, kind of a, a necessary evil, I guess, here. Mm. So yeah. moving on to the buyout market now, because that is the word that the Celtics, if they can get a buyout, they will wave Cornette and bring someone in. The, uh, the names that we know 
obviously we've been talking about Andre Drummond all year. There was just a report by Mark Stein that the Celtics are very much in the mix to add Drummond. Uh, well, I guess first let's say, where do you stand in terms of, would you like to see us buy someone out? If we do, is there anyone specific you'd want to go for? Do you have a list? Is there any prediction you think will happen or what like should do you think? What should the Celtics be looking for on this bio market, if anything? Um, I mean, the names out there, the only one that, I mean, I like the idea of LaMarcus Aldridge. I know he's kind of a shell of himself, but I think he can offer something that we don't have. Um, well, let me stop you right there because Aldridge is not, a, he's going to the heat pretty much. Oh, it's, it's, already, it, it's, it's already not official, but it sounds like that's pretty much, a, well, He's going to the Heat, and there's maybe one or two other teams that have an outside yeah. chance, but he's not coming to Boston. No, I mean, I know he's um, not coming here, but that yeah. was probably – that would probably yeah. be my number one target. Got sure. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure he'd, he'd move the needle for us a ton either. No. But, but I think okay, it'd, that's be, fine. it'd be nice. I, I think he can at least fill, you know, a void, even if it's only like 10 minutes a game. And, you know, I don't want to mm-hmm. – it's not that I want to add another center after just getting rid of one, but um, – but I think he's, I think he's still got something to offer, but, you know, more so on a real, you know, contender. Um, but I mean, I guess Miami is probably in a similar boat than we are, to be honest. But um, other than that, there's not really anyone I'm super excited for. Um, maybe bring mm-hmm. Teague back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Definitely. I mean, is there any, is there anyone you have your eye on? Um, well, I guess in general, like I don't, I just talk, we've been talking again about all year, how we just, let's get to two centers. And now we have Grant as kind of the oddball center when we want to go in that direction too. And we can play super small with Tatum, Fournier, Brown, you know, and Marcus as basically our center. That's what we've all wanted for. So if we get another center to just kind of be a drain on the, our rotations, that'll piss me off. Um, So, like, in general, I don't really want to go after a center on the bio market. I'm completely content with the rotation we have. I would rather go for, like, another wing or someone if it was a bio. Like, Otto Porter Jr., if he gets bought out in Orlando, which so far I haven't heard that he will, but he was, you know, just kind of another casualty of the trade, the Vooch trade, to make the money work. If, If Orlando buys him out, I would love to take a shot on a guy like Otto Porter. He's... You know, you could argue at this point like a really a poor man's Aaron Gordon almost. So I think someone like that makes more sense to me. Or you know, this is probably a dream, but maybe Wayne Ellington could get bought out by Detroit, who's a guy that I wanted us to trade for. So I'm much more interested in something along those lines. Um, Austin Rivers, maybe on a even lesser scale, but I'm not so much looking at the big man market for the Celtics for the reasons we just discussed and we've really been talking about all year. Like we finally fixed the center law problem. We're going to bring in another one. Now, if the idea is bringing in Drummond and he's just going to like take Thompson's role and you just think Drummond is just a better Thompson, like fine, I guess. But if we bring in Drummond and we're back to the same nightmare, um, you know, watch our watch us try to Drummond Tristan Thompson starting lineup. Like, I feel like we just saw this movie in Cleveland and it sucked. <laughs> so I don't want it to happen. If I if he does come here, it better be like to completely replace Thompson in the rotation. I'm scared that won't be the case. If we are gonna buy go for a big on the bio market, though, I would rather 
give us at least some optionality at a, as a stretch big because we obviously just lost Tice. So, hey, give me the reunion with our boy Kelly Olynyk. Why the hell not? He's about to get bought out. You can stick him on the end of the bench. It's not going to be like a, a Thompson where you like have to play him. There will be games where you can sit him. But he's he's a solid backup big guy who can shoot the three ball really well, run dribble handoffs. Like you talk about something we don't have, but we, we could actually get like I would take Kelly back here uh, on the roster in a heartbeat. I always liked Olenek. I know how much it would piss off some other of our friends and Celtics fans. So that would uh, give me some some amusement as well. And I think he could be really helpful. Um, yeah. What do you think of the, the, the Olenek reunion, which is I, I what will really probably like will happen. You know, that'd be classic Celtics. Everyone gets their hopes up for Drummond. And then he predictably act, at the last minute goes to the Lakers or Nets. And we end up with Olenek. Like that seems like probably the most likely outcome, right? I'd be, I'd be very happy with Olenek coming back. Um, yeah. I mean, he's not a guy that really cares about anything really i mean he, he goes out there and he plays <laughs> in the housing burritos right so you put him <laughs> at the end of the bench he'll you know he'll play yeah. when you call on him and if not he won't play but yeah he can you know he does the little things no matter how like gross it looks he uh he contributes <laughs> um he does no he's, even he's... you know talking about reunions i would consider uh avery bradley if he gets bought out too i don't know if he's going he's not i don't think he's gonna get bought out um, no. but I don't think so. I, I mean, I guess you never know though. Um, with that either Rockets way. team, e- either way, either but one. yeah, I'd rather, I'd prefer, but I mean, someone in that mold, like an Avery Bradley type is who I'd rather have. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess he's, he's only on a one year deal, so he could get bought out. Mm, we'll see, but, um, no. oh, I don't know if they can buy him out anyway, whatever probably not going to happen another one other guy who i think is super underrated that actually did officially just get bought out gorgie jang from memphis who i think could do a little rim protecting and is a sneaky good three-point shooter so if we're going to make a move like that i'd rather get a guy like jang or olenic that like you don't think could come in and affect things negatively if it doesn't work out it would be more of like a matchup based thing versus bringing in someone like a drummond who you know, Drummond is 28 and is averaging like 17 and 15 when he played. If wherever he signs, he's expecting a real big role and he's going to be playing for his next contract. So I'd be, I mean, again, I guess if they brought him in and it was just to replace Thompson, you can't really argue with it because he's, yeah, Drummond, I think it's better than Thompson. But if it's back to this nonsense and we've got then three centers all kind of splitting minutes and none of them can stretch the floor, like it, uh, that just doesn't enthuse me. More I think about it, I want Kelly Olynyk back. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. Yeah, uh, it'd I be mean, fun. He definitely fills, you know, a void. Um, I think we have room for him. Familiar with Brad's system, obviously. Yeah. And uh, like you said, it'll definitely piss a lot of people off. So I'm, <laughs> I'm all in on Kelly now. Okay. I'll go, wow. I'm, I'm glad I talked you into that. That was easy. I appreciate that. <laughs> he hasn't um, been bought out officially, though, right? Uh, I don't know if it's official, but I mean, it's, it's happening. (laughs) It's definitely happening. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. I'm in on that too. I I would love to see Kelly raining some threes for the Celtics once again. Mm. Why the hell not? Seriously. Worst case, he wins us a playoff series. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he could at least replace like Tice in the kind of uh, 
big goofy white guy who has fun moments which i'm not sure that either of the big goofy white guys we got are really ready to fill that role no they're not they're not ready to be that big and goofy in ways yeah so cut one of them swap them out with kelly and uh i'd be pretty content call it a day (laughs) and then you know swapping out tice for a linic wouldn't really like tice i still think is the better player um but it'd be a lot easier to stomach i guess yeah for sure Okay. Any any other bio guys you want to mention? That's really that's it for me. And I and I'm I'm fine honestly if we don't buy anyone out. If we don't go for any of those guys, I'd be fine with that. I mean, the thing with the bio market is like, you know, it's basically just money. So I don't I don't mind just signing someone, even just to sign them, mm-hmm. um, throw them out there, see what happens. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But I mean, um. Yeah. I don't mind I just, like just throwing basically throwing shit against the wall. Take sign somebody, see if it works. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But I mean, like, I don't think you're gonna bring in one of these guys and it's gonna be like a you know, it's gonna be a disaster and then the whole team's gonna collapse. So I don't mind just taking a shot on some, somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know, obviously Drummond is the biggest, flashiest name out there. And now, hmm. like I said, the report just coming out that Stein, to quote his tweet, Mark Stein said, "The Celtics have emerged as a contender to watch in the race to sign soon-to-be free agent Andre Drummond." So yeah. that's a he's lot not, of words. He's not. He's not. Here. I don't think he's coming here either. No. Um. But I mean, yeah. I guess if he did, that we were very anti-Drummond, and hmm. I want to be clear: like the biggest reason for that was his awful, awful contract. Right. So if you can get him for if he wants to come here for no money, okay. Like he's obviously a good enough player. So again, I'd be pissed in the sense that it it would basically be back to wishing to free Time Lord. But I mean, I think if Andre Drummond came to the team and became our starting center, he'd certainly help the team for the rest of the year. Yeah, he'd probably be the best player on a veteran minimum contract in the league, at least up there. <laughs> yeah. In uh, contention. It's right up there. Yeah. You would, you would certainly think so. It's hard to think of anyone else off the top of my head. What about, uh, is Mello <laughs> on a vet minimum? Oh, well, well I wasn't counting, you know, Legends. future, future first ballot hall of fame. Oh, walks. Okay. Sorry. Well, other than Mello, he'd be the best <laughs> yeah, veteran minimum player in the league. I think so. Um, yeah, but, you know, if he wants to come play for nothing, then bring him in. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, moving on. So, barring one of those guys coming here, so a little maybe adding a guy on the fringe, but I think more or less the roster's set for the rest of the year, obviously. So, where where do you think we stand now? Like, what are you looking to see for the rest of this season? What do you think is – is a realistic goal or, or expectations to have, like what, what would you like to see to kind of salvage the rest of the season for you? Um, I mean, I don't want to say, I just want to see us play better because we have to win games, but I want us to look like, you know, we're playing Celtics basketball for the rest of the year. Um, I want to see a consistent, offense i want to see a defense that looks like it's putting in full effort every night every play um i just want to see i want to see these team look like they care um you know i want to see what you know brad stevens team usually look like well coached you know 
they know what to do um, and, you know, have some passion. I mean, you know, the old Brad Stevens teams had a lot of misfits. So, I mean, a lot of people playing for contracts and um, so it was a little bit different back then. The, the grit was more, um, I don't know, authentic, I guess. Um, but we need to, we just need to show more. Um, if we finish out the season, you know, four or five seed, six seed at worst, you know, outside, if, we, if we finish above the, the playing round, um, and, you know, look good doing it, then I'll be happy. If, um, you know, the young players continue to play well, um, maybe you see a little bit more leadership out of Tatum and Brown. Um, and, you know, just a more uh, clear rotation, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, it's kind of been, it's going to be forced to clarify a little bit just because of who we've gotten rid of. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to see us look like a Celtics team and, uh, you know, be fun to watch and easy to root for again because right now it's not, fun to watch i have not been fun having fun watching this team um <laughs> so i know i don't know if that's like a cop out just saying i want us to yeah. play better but that's pretty much it i want if if i can watch a game be like we put in an honest effort we look good for 48 minutes for 48 minutes yeah um just look you yourself know. in the mirror say yeah. you've done an honest day's work <laughs> exactly it's like for real uh, that's I all, know. It's, that's what i want to see um i know and obviously you know maybe, you know, be the four or fifth seed and win around. Um, yeah. I mean, you get in the playoffs, you know, who knows what happens. You get an injury and, um, yeah. you know, I mean, we're always in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Watch us end up in the Eastern Conference Finals again. But, right. no, I, I think, you, you you know, you used a lot of cliches, but it, it really is kind of – it kind of just does come down to that. Like, I want to get back to being a team that other teams didn't want to play. Like, mm. I want – we have always been that on defense. And like you said, it's been a lot of guys who are playing to kind of with a chip on their shoulder to prove something. Well, now it's like, at this point, let's play for some pride. Like let's show some pride that we're better than what our record reflects. Let's go out. Let's strike some fear into people. Again, let's get after it defensively, bring some tenacity. Just we've always been a top 10 defense under Brad. We're not even close. Like let's just buckle down, put in the effort, give me a good 48 minutes a night. And that that's enough. Like it, it, the, the players are there. The talent is there. That will lead to win. If you show up and give me 48 good minutes, I obviously, you know, all the same stuff. I want to see the, the young guys keep progressing this and that, but now, yeah, I just want to see it translate. I want to see us play hard for 48 minutes, keep up our intensity on both ends, play crisp basketball. And yeah, just be that team, be that team that can strike fear into other teams, like more so than the seating. Just let us go into the playoffs. Believe it. Give me, give me a chance. Give me a reason to believe. And then, yeah, what that equals out, like you said, perfect world, develop that goes well. Let's, I'd love to get a four or five seed, a winnable matchup. But beyond that, yeah, I just want to be playing well. I want to get into the playoffs and I want us to, to go to play confidently and aggressively and make the other team work, not just roll over. Where in these other games, it's been like, even where we show moments, you know, you the Nets game, the Jazz game. It's like we're playing them, and they're like, "Ooh, wow, that's nice." But they're like, "Okay, that that was cute, but like we're we're gonna win now." Yeah. So that sucks, and that hasn't been the feeling really in in so long for the Celtics. So I just want to get back to like I said, that team that we know 
can play hard and go toe to toe with anyone. So yeah. it's probably not going to result in a title this year, but no. uh, let's get back to like feeling positive about the future at the very least. Cause right now it's like Celtics fans are so down. They think that, you know, it's over like, <laughs> which obviously is, is crazy, but in the past, even when the, the season hasn't ended the way we wanted to with the title, we've felt every reason for optimism. Let's at least get back to there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think more to clarify my point, let's, let's get back to the point where we're uh, consistently beating teams that were better than clearly. <laughs> yeah. That's a start. Not losing to awful teams. Right. And then being competitive against, you know, the top of the league. I mean, let's like just these bad teams, just show them that we're better than them. Just, you know, run them out of the building. If you always used to, mm-hmm. every time we played a bad team, it was like, all right, we, we should win this game this year. It's like, who knows what's going to happen. We yeah. can win by 20. We can get blown out by 20. Right. And you just uh, feel like we have no shot against the good teams. Right. Yeah. And I, there hasn't been a game in five years, maybe where I thought we had no shot. And now it's pretty much every, you know, Elite yeah. team, I think there's we're just we have no shot at this game, which is just sad. Just show it me is. that we have a chance every night. That's right. all I want. Yeah, show me that they believe. Go out there and play like you believe you're better and play yeah. like that, and then I'll start believing again. Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> all right, kind of depressing, but hey, mm. we're all about the optimism going forward. The past is the past. New team, um, so we're not gonna we're not gonna see Fournier or any of the other new guys in action tonight, which will be Friday night's game against the Bucks, And then tomorrow night, second night of a back-to-back in Oklahoma city against the thunder. I'm not expecting to see him there. Then we go back to Boston, play at home Monday night, uh, I believe against the Pelicans, but don't quote me on that. That would be the game where I would expect Fournier to make his debut. Um, so, you know, hopefully that'll be the start of, of a nice run in the second half, but I don't know. Got to see something. So I guess after all that, is anything that has happened since the all-star break or in terms of what happened at the deadline change your outlook for the extended future beyond this year and what might happen this or next off season? Um, nothing extended future wise. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, the addition of Fournier could maybe lead to, you know, an extension or something. So, um, theory but like you know future of the team direction we're going nothing's really changed for me we're still you know have the same core young core um i still think we need more something significant or another you know huge leap from the jays um this year i think last time we talked we were pretty much in the same uh, same place as far as outlook for this season i think it's the same you know just try and finish strong. Um, I do have a bit of optimism that, you know, we will finish stronger after the trade deadline. I mean, we obviously added a good player and, you know, I think hopefully the shake up mm-hmm. might, you know, shake up the locker room a bit. Um, you know, Danny's saying, you know, we yeah. will trade players if we're not playing well. Um, so right. hopefully that, that little lights a fire and um, short term, I think, we could finish strong. We're not a contender, mm-hmm. but long-term, you know, nothing's changed for me. Yeah. So I think I'd say the only thing that maybe seems like it might've changed 
Um, and maybe it's not really a change, but more just like starting to embrace this reality more is um, I think if the Fournier thing plays out well, the move will probably be to try to lock up Fournier to like a three or four year deal and to dump Kemba. And I think saving our picks and assets is probably what's sadly it might have to come down to, but you're looking at if we want to keep Fournier, we're like already up against the tax bill. And uh, you know, I don't think we're going to pay outrageous luxury tax for a team. That's arguably not even a contender. Um, And then you'll have, you know, smart coming up at the year after that. So the fact that, smart was pretty much off limits as far as what we're hearing the fact that you know he wasn't really movable which again i'm happy to hear and the fact that we got someone who on paper is a rental leads me to believe that maybe they're coming coming to grips with like we are going to have to get off this Kemba walker contract at the end of this year and if that means we have to attach a first round pick to it well they preserved all their picks at this deadline so now they can do that and still have some flexibility um, and then, you know, they can use the 11 million left on the TPE. They did uh, open another $5 million trade to player exception in the Tice deal. So you can't combine TPEs, but they're, they're nice to have in a pinch, obviously. So um, we've got a lot of flexibility, but again, it's, it's like Kemba and that big bloated contract and the way he's playing is what's, what's kind of killing us. And I'll be interested to see too, if, if Fournier really plays well and Kemba doesn't improve, if, event if it actually gets to a point where Kemba is our our sixth man because um again like it kind of now seems like that's what he's giving us and might be the best way he can contribute going forward is just coming off the bench kind of in bursts um and trying to fill it up against bad teams I don't know but he's he's been tough to watch at times obviously and that contract is tough to look at so that was, you know, that's a, a ton of speculation on my part. I also wouldn't be shocked if um, I'm sure Danny was trying his hardest to sell Kemba to Orlando. We know that Steve Clifford, their coach, loves him and that Orlando has, until yesterday, had, had been pretty disillusioned about their how good they are. So I bet we were Danny was doing everything he could to convince them that, hey, you know, give us Gordon and Fournier. We'll give you Kemba. Then you've got Kemba and Vooch. You're good. Um, I, I don't know. Again, hundred percent spe- speculation on my part, but uh, to me, this, this tells me like we're basically either going to lose Fournier and then Marcus a year later, or we're going to trade Kemba. Yeah. I mean, if we can get out of that Kemba deal, then, you know, I think we have to, um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. The reason why I don't know if that, if that's changed is because I don't know if we can. So if we, well, can, I think more, more it's if we had made it, if we had used a bunch of assets in a deal, then sure. we are probably less likely to. Whereas now okay. we've got all those firsts. So we could dump Kemba with a zillion picks, yeah. like in a Brad Beal is obviously a dream scenario, but yeah. Whatever it takes, you know, maybe it's a three-way deal. Kemba's our money. We take in a star and give a million draft picks out and yeah. whoever, whoever the hell else anyone wants. But it's like, we can still do something like that. So that's the other thing that we didn't really mention we have in past podcasts. But if we had gone with two or three first-round picks and a, and a guy like Neesmith in a trade for Gordon or even more for Vooch, then that takes us out of sweepstakes for any Brad Beal, Carl Anthony Towns, whatever next star wants out. Whereas now 
we're somewhat positioned and, you know, if things keep going well, you'd think people would want to come play alongside Tatum and Brown. If we can kind of turn this around the two young stars. So I'm glad in the sense that that option is at least still on the table as well. Yeah. Makes sense to me. I'm on board. Sign me up. (laughs) All right. Well, I think uh, that pretty much sums up what's going on with the Celtics. It was a nice like state of the union for the team where we're at. We're getting right up on uh, tip off for tonight's lovely Celtics Bucks game. That should just be a joy to watch. Um, Got two other, two other quick kind of hot takes, not necessarily trade related, uh, but just Celtics related with that relate to this season for you. So the first one uh, I've seen other people at times suggesting this on like specific nights on Twitter, but if Kemba's not going to play ever on back-to-backs, why don't we just start choosing which night he'll play on? So like I saw someone tweeted about the night and it kind of makes sense. If you can only play in one of these games, Bucks or Thunder, why not just sit him tonight? We're probably not going to beat the Bucks, and then try, at least try to beat the Thunder with Kemba and a full strength team. Like at this point, it sounds like kind of sad to resort to, but hmm. like we need these wins. Um, so what do you think of that idea. idea, like picking and choosing which game he plays in these back-to-backs to make sure that we at least beat the teams we have to beat? Yeah, I Is mean, that just, like, too pathetic? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if we do that, yeah. then we're basically admitting defeat. Or, you know, it's mm-hmm. a scheduled loss, you know, which, yeah. you know, it is anyways, but well, we can't right. let the team know that, like, hey, we don't <laughs> expect to win tonight, so we're sitting Kemba. So, yeah, I mean, if, if it was, you know, a perfect world, we would do that, but no. <laughs> Don't think I mean, we can do it. We should be able to beat Oklahoma City without without Kemba. Um, I mean, that team's no. well, especially well, now. Well, they're they're like the opposite of the Celtics. They have no talent, but they just play their asses off every night. Right. But now they're sitting, or I shouldn't say they're sitting. It sounds like he's really hurt. Uh, yeah. Shea. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully, we, you're right. Hopefully, we can win that without Kemba. But um, you know, with none of these new players and Kemba, we're gonna have a pretty depleted roster with sending out the three guys who right. were playing. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to be tough to win a back-to-back with shorthanded no matter what. Yep. Um, okay. So you, but you, you don't think that's a realistic option? No, okay. I do not. All right. Probably not. Uh, but maybe it should be. But anyway, <laughs> my second hot take, um, I wish I'd thought of this earlier in the year and it was something we could have done, but the like traditionalists are going to hate this take, but um like we go to other arenas and they're just always like bumping awesome like usually sweet like rap instrumentals in the background when their team has the ball and like i think that helps i just think it's better to play basketball if you're like jamming out to awesome music in the background and then in contrast the other team gets the ball and it's like silence with no fans that's how it's been so I know the Celtics usually are like above that because we have so such good fans, but with no fans, we, I think we should have changed that. And I think it's a major missed opportunity to not be like way more over the top with the music. I think it just Mm. leads to like good energy, good vibes, and it's easier to like get in a rhythm and, and really be like flowing through the game. If you got sweet background music. So I wish the Celtics with no fans have been doing that all year, the way that Mm. I hear it in a lot of other arenas, I think it's, it's, it could provide like a small enough difference that, you know, when we're losing so many of these damn games in clutch time, like, fuck it. It's easier to go on a big run and blow out a team when you got awesome music in the background and everyone wants to make shots and they're dancing and like, whatever. So like I said, 
The old heads are going to absolutely hate this take, but uh, I, I think it's a, it was a missed opportunity. And I, I think it's not too late. I know fans are going to be back now the next home game in a very limited capacity, but I, I would still do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for that. I mean, there's no <laughs> real downside. I mean, who are you going to anger? The, you know, the old 80-year-old Celtics fans who... Yeah, who uh, get, you know... Who are mad I mean, about the, this team anyways. I already hate that in our arena, we're like still so stuck in the past. Like, I don't think we play any songs other than what, like, Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I don't think we've added a new song to the in arena music in yeah. 40 years, which again, it's fine when you have a packed house every night and the fans provide all the noise. But yeah. this year, it's been like, try it. Like, try, yeah. try and give us a spark. Like, it can't possibly hurt. Yeah, I mean, the team, the team is obviously not always having fun. So it's, Give them some fun music. See if they can spark something. Make a little, you know, make them dance. A little bit of camaraderie. I mean, uh, what's, yeah. what's the worst thing that happens? I don't, I don't I see any that, downside. I don't see any downside either. It drives away fans from the team who we probably yeah. don't want as fans anyway. Like, right. that's all I can think of. So, those are my two uh, two hot takes I've been cooking for the, to fix the season. But... <laughs> I don't think we're going to see either one happen, unfortunately. I am excited for fans to get back, and I think that can provide some kind of a boost, though. Yeah. Get me in that stadium. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, it, I'm probably going to be just like season ticket holders or something, but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be hunting, to, trying to get in there as, as soon as I possibly can. Yeah. So um, I think that's it. Just to wrap up, I just want to say how happy and relieved I am that another trade deadline has passed and Marcus Smart is still a Celtic. Not that I ever thought he should have been traded. And as Danny has said, there's no chance he would have been traded, but it still is always a relief. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. I'm happy Happy for all of us. (laughs) I'm finally able to get some sleep. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of Chuddy's Corner. We'll be back soon, hopefully with a lot of positive Celtic stuff to talk about. Peace out. never sent him to pick up the work for Spray the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all gone. Tank cursive on the jets, he was gonna Sean John him. They were sleeping on the garden and dawn.